1: Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Hadji Wright to my Victor Jokerez. It's Justin Peach.
0: Good day to you, Ryan.
1: Justin, how the devil are we?
0: I'm very good. I'm suffering a little bit with a cold. It's a post-holiday illness, I think. But we, you know me, I'm, I'm ill 90% of the year. But other than that, I'm great. How are you, Ryan? I never ask you how are you. How are your teeth? Are they getting on fine?
1: <laughs> how are my teeth? My teeth... Absolutely fine. You'll be glad to know that in the following days from Teethgate, uh, we had a bit of correspondence from our listeners, many of whom told me, please go to a dentist. Mm. Um, But I've not had any problems at all. And people have said, look, I didn't have any problems, and then they just cropped up later in life, but I'm not that worried about it at all. Plus, I hated going to the dentist because I kept going and it would cost. Quite a lot of money for them just to say your teeth are absolutely fine.
0: That is true. It seems a bit of a gimmick, but at the same time, you you shouldn't leave stuff until you are until there's a problem. Like you get your car serviced every year, so you get That's your exactly teeth serviced every year. Get, go and get your teeth serviced Ryan. It's
1: it's a good thing. I, you said a thing about your car. I would not get my car serviced. Oh my god! Until it was a problem. You if are I could. a
0: you are a sixteen year old man still. Sixteen year old man. Sixteen year old boy. Incredible.
1: old man. Um, it's just the way I've lived my life, you know, uh, devil may care attitude, and that's how I will continue to live it, Justin.
0: It's it's reckless. I mean, you, you didn't go for a haircut for a while, so it's a it's a clear strategy for, um, that you, yeah you're living by. I, I should have picked up on this sooner.
1: I, I was just trying something out, you know. We've had the same haircut since you were five years old. So I thought, you know, I'd go for something a bit different. Admittedly, in hindsight, didn't look great. But you know,
0: you got to try these things, Justin. <laughs> yeah, I have. At least, I've, at least I'm going to keep my teeth for the rest of my life. You're going to have I'm... dentures by the time you're 33.
1: Well, if that is the case, then so be it. I think my teeth will look pretty good if I have dentures. Welcome to the number one championship podcast for seconds here. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. Yes, this is a preview episode of the games coming up in the championship this weekend. So Just and I will each make our predictions for the weekend's games. But we've also got a game of football for us to talk about because there was the clash on Monday night of Coventry v Huddersfield. So we'll have a quick chat about that. Also talk about some of the news from the past few days and then we'll finish off with Scott High or Ryan Lowe right at the end of the show. So Coventry v Huddersfield, a 94th minute equaliser. Saw Huddersfield draw one all away at Coventry in Darren Moore's first game in charge. Coventry dominated the first half, got a bit lucky with their goal. Ellis Sims smashed it against the bar and it basically hit Yasunayari. A strong shout for handball. In there too, when you see one of the replays, but nonetheless, Huddersfield battled and kept going right until the end, and that's exactly what Darren Moore will want his side to do if they're going to have any chance of staying up this season.
0: Yeah, it'll be exactly what he wanted from his from his first game. Not possibly not what preceded the 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 character to get back into it, but the desire to stay into stay in the game and ensure that they are uh, well within a within a whisker, I guess, of of, of equalising. It's it's yeah, it's exactly what Darren Moore would have would have wanted. I think um I think their best chances throughout the game came from tight shooting positions or from distance. And it was a bit like a Neil Warnock side and I think those strong foundations laid by the legend himself will give Darren Moore a really good platform to to build on. But as I say they stayed in the game and that's all you can ask for, especially away from home. Sure you're coming up against a team that are perhaps more clinical, they perhaps would have been punished. So there are obvious areas to improve on. But the character is there. And exactly as, as I've said, Darren Moore's going to want to want to thrive on that, want to use that. And he's going to want to take that into the next, next few weeks of his tenure.
1: Yeah. Funny, is, isn't it, how Darren Moore's last three games as a manager have ended quite dramatically now, <laughs> haven't they? It's a big job on his hands for Mr Moore, especially following someone like Neil Warnock. The mm. players were reportedly in tears as Warnock gave his final speech to them. That's how close he was to the players. But Darren can definitely continue that. We saw that at Sheffield Wednesday last season. It wasn't just the fans. It was also bring, uh, the players. It was also the fans that he was bringing together into this one unit. And as I'll keep bleating, this Huddersfield squad isn't very strong. So they need to make up for that by working harder than their opponents and battling for each point. Interesting that they went with a back three. Warlock has mainly played with a back four this season, despite most of their good form under Warnock last season coming with a back three, mm. if my memory serves me correctly. Jack Rodoni was playing further forward as well. I think he's going to be really important for them. I think it was an encouraging first game for Huddersfield fans under Darren Moore. Would you agree with that, Justin?
0: Yeah, I do. Uh, obviously, they they weren't at their best and we've seen them play better. But as I say, you're coming up against the Coventry side who have got a, a wealth of talent and have recruited extensively and expensively over the summer and Huddersfield haven't let's be honest so whilst they weren't incredible and they're not playing uh, their opposition of the park in this game they they, they showed the the, um, the strong foundations they need to to to, to kick on and, and develop some good form it's a theme of Huddersfield that they've been in games throughout the season just haven't had that bit of edge that they've needed they showed it to, to some extent here and as I say, character gets you a long way in the Championship, and as long as they keep showing it, as long as they develop it and, and use that as a, as a launching pad for themselves, then they're, they're gonna, they're, they possibly might do better than many may expect for the rest of the season.
1: A very slow start for Coventry. Only two teams in Championship history have drawn more in their first eight games than Coventry's five this season. It's not the start I expected at all from them, Justin.
0: No, it's it's disappointing, isn't it? I think when you look at their transfers, well, transfers over the summer, naturally your expectations they 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 increase massively. But there have been elements of sloppiness. There have been elements of you know, failure to control situations and and lacking maybe a calmness, something they had in abundance last season. I thought you you go back to the playoff games last season. They look comfortable being uncomfortable. If that makes sense, you know they're happy to have their backs to the wall don't really see that yet with this team which I think is normal they've had a high turnover of players and quite a lot of the new ones that have come in are, are quite young so mistakes are getting punished I think cover just going through the motions but form as as we as we know it has to improve I've seen a couple of not people wanting Mott Robbins out obviously not but there's just been there there've been a lot of questions asked of him and I think that's fair um, because the form has been has been poor.
1: Yeah, I was expecting Coventry to be a playoff side this season, perhaps even challenge for the top two. I definitely thought they had a chance of finishing in the automatics after their summer transfer business. I would still back them to finish in the top six now, but they've got to do a lot better. Killing off games would be a great start. They've now dropped nine points from winning positions, which is the most in the division. If the strikers were firing, that would definitely help with that and just... In general, Hadji Wright and Ellis Sims cost a combined £14 and have one goal between them so far. Sims has been getting better, but Wright has been getting a lot of stick for his recent performances, particularly the miss in the game against Huddersfield. Injuries haven't helped, particularly Ben Sheaf in midfield. I think he's their most important player and there's a big miss when he's not there. But then there's also the likes of Casey Palmer, amongst others, who have uh, been missing recently. So it's not been a great start. I continue to think they will be fine and I would still back them to finish in the top six, as I say, but things have got to be a lot better from a Coventry City perspective. Let's have a look ahead. To the weekend. So in each preview episode of the second tier, Justin and I will each pick a banker, a team we think is guaranteed to win this coming weekend, as well as an outsider. So someone we think is going to win, but is bigger odds with the bookies than their opponents. We're tracking how we do as the season goes on. One point for a correct banker, two points for an outsider. Whoever loses has to do a forfeit. Justin will be going on a coach trip from Sunderland to Plymouth and back. If he loses, well, I'll be doing a vomit-inducing CrossFit workout, according to Justin, the current scores are ten five to myself.
0: Mind the gap, Justin. It's mind the gap. Absolutely, I, I'm. Um, I'm trying to figure out. I'm trying to get into crosswords and in Sudoku in preparation for my uh, <laughs> my potential long journey. I've I've been let down recently as well with some late goals, but yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm sitting here nervously.
1: Yeah, I did question at the start of the season why you wanted to do a forfeit. It was completely your idea and it may be coming back to bite you. Uh, let's hear your banker then, Justin. What are you going for? Uh,
0: I'm going with Cardiff to beat Rotherham. Uh, I find Cardiff so intriguing for a number of reasons. They're not doing anything spectacular in games, but they've generated a consistency and confidence that is pulling them through through their fixtures at the moment. Um, as I say, there are obvious signs of improvement, but you can't mistake their form of late. They've also won their last three home games going into this game and are actually one of the tightest teams in the division when it comes to not allowing opposition a high volume of chances at the Carly City Stadium so that's going to work in their favour against a side who have a really quite dreadful away record the have conceded 11 on the road scored just two um, in that time and all the while not winning away from home since the 8th of November last season when they beat Sheffield United so with that, you'd expect the uh, the bluebirds to to continue singing. Obviously, things aren't that cut and dry in the championship. But if you're looking at the form table, um, and the uh, just the, the number of chances Cardiff are, are starting to create, and rather than being hopef- hopeless from home uh, away from home, you'd expect a Cardiff win here.
1: Yeah, Rotherham have been absolutely awful so far, particularly away from home. In my view, they're lucky to be on five points. Ultimately, if Cardiff can defend crosses, then it's unlikely that they'll concede because that's all Robert <laughs> seem to have. And I will give credit to Cardiff. We both have strong doubts about them staying anywhere near the top half. But they've been in great form since the international break. Mm-hmm. Three wins on the trot and they've done it without Aaron Ramsey in the last two as well. Yeah. They are proving to be resolute and Errol Bullet has got a good feel factor at Cardiff for the first time in a long time. And that's a very good start as i say i don't think it will last but i'll be uh, i'll be surprised if they don't make it four wins in a row this weekend because i'm not sure Rotherham at home is <laughs> i'm not sure there's going to be a less difficult game for teams this this season
0: but what a way to ruin your recent form by losing to probably one of the worst teams in the form table it is just typical championship for that to happen isn't it it's be very it's, championship
1: yeah Uh, Let's go to my banker then, which is Leeds to win away at Southampton. Don't think this one needs explaining too much to regular listeners of the podcast. Southampton have been playing very poorly while Leeds look rejuvenated. Southampton just cannot defend for their lives. The most goals conceded in the division, including 12 in their last four games. The goals have dried up at the other end as well. They They scored 10 in their first four games, but have only found the net twice in their last four. The confidence seemingly drained out of the Southampton players and the confidence is quickly being drained out of the Southampton fans in the manager. Won't take much for the atmosphere to turn toxic at St Mary's in this one and five straight losses will leave Russell Martin's future very much up in the air. And Leeds are probably the last team I'd want to be facing right now. Since the international break, they've battered Millwall and Watford while drawing with Hull, but they were down to 10 men for a third of that game. The pairing of Jorginho Ruta and Joel Pirro have been unplayable and will be salivating at the thought of coming up against that Southampton <laughs> defence. Uh Leeds have also really tightened up at the back, not conceding in the last four. I can't see anything other than a Leeds win here, Justin.
0: Their home form is a bit shaky though. They've wouldn't they had one one in nine up until their game against Watford at the weekend. Sorry, the game against Watford was the one in nine uh wins. Um Leeds going into here. last season. Sorry. Leeds are away here. They are away, so it means absolutely nothing to this to this um, to this fixture. So yeah, absolutely, Leeds win. Definitely, I completely read our notes wrong. Incredible. Um, so yeah, I, I vehemently agree with you, Ryan. I have got nothing to um, nothing to throw your way. Um <laughs> uh, is worth pointing
1: out. Leeds have uh, only won three so far, but two of them have been away from home and. Playing at home might also be a disadvantage for Southampton because of how the fans could turn on their own players quite quickly if things aren't going too well. So every every possible factor I consider here, I just go towards a Leeds to win.
0: Put Leeds' home record, Ryan. Leeds' home record. Yes. Why it's it's going to
1: play a role. <laughs> Why haven't we considered <laughs> Leeds' home record? Uh, my outsider for the weekend, Birmingham to win away at Norwich. I was a bit surprised to see Norwich's odds-on favourites with the bookies for this game. Birmingham have a strong side. And, of course, Norwich are coming off the back of an absolute battering at the hands of Plymouth. Norwich were absolutely woeful in that game defensively. They were such a mess. And it was a performance which resembled their poor form from the end of last season. And they've definitely seen a dip in performances over the past four games. The first four games, they were fantastic. But things have suddenly turned Injuries haven't helped with that, but they've got other problems as well, which are creeping into their game. And Birmingham have struggled a bit recently, just two points from their last four games. But I think they'll get back on track soon. They certainly have been playing badly. In fact, they've won the last seven league games in terms of expected goals and have kind of been underperforming their expected goals in terms of uh, their recent results. But when that happens, I tend to think it's only a matter of time before results turn. So they have been lucky and results should turn soon. Jay Stansfield in particular looks a terrifically talented player. And if Norwich have a day even similar to last weekend, Birmingham could punish them.
0: How often does that happen though, where a team gets absolutely battered and then they react positively positively? the following game we saw it with Birmingham a few years ago when they got out when they lost 8-0 to Bournemouth I think I can't remember whether they drew or won their next such game a,
1: such a random reference to bring out a game
0: which happened <laughs> what eight years ago a <laughs> bit of a kick in the teeth for the Birmingham fans but I, I, I do have this belief that if you get absolutely battered um in the previous game the next game is always a huge improvement that being said This standard is very, you can't go much lower than a 6-2 away defeat, can you? So maybe...
1: Justin, let me take that theory and instantly respond to that with Southampton.
0: Okay, Southampton don't count because they did, (laughs) for some reason, for some reason Russell Martin is not learning from each game. He's just still trying to deploy this methodology that is clearly leaving huge mile-width spaces in their midfield that teams can just... Run through so, and I don't think I mean David Wagner has never played like that. So I think David Wagner is a little bit more prudent in the way he sets his teams up than than Russell Martin is. So I, I don't think there's that much naivety there for Norwich to allow Birmingham to to walk over them, especially at Carrow Road.
1: Yeah, well, I think your theory is one of those things that fans think happens, but doesn't necessarily. Always happen. I don't think teams get battered two games on the bounce unless you're Southampton. Um, (laughs) I think what tends to happen is teams play better but don't necessarily respond with a positive result all of the time. Um, So and and as I say, Birmingham have been playing a lot better than their results suggest. So I can quite feasibly see uh, Birmingham getting something from this game. Justin, what's your outsider for the weekend?
0: I've gone with Middlesbrough to win away at Watford again. I have slim pickings this week because your messages of picking these fixtures gets earlier and earlier, almost six o'clock on Monday morning, no, which is you no, know, when everybody's no, asleep. that is
1: absolute bollocks. When did I? Hang on, I'm opening
0: WhatsApp now.
1: I sent our message on Monday at doo, 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 about doo. nine o'clock. It was eleven o'clock.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. Well, maybe it is. still not that early. Monday's early, but I've, I've, yeah, I've gone with Middlesbrough to win away at Watford. I am hoping Borough very much catch Watford on a bad day here, similar to Leeds doing the same to to Watford last week. My rationale being that Borough have been okay; they're just lacking a clinical touch. And for Watford, for all their good defensive work, do lack a little something going forwards, which might suit Borough because, similarly to Southampton, Carrick hasn't yet set his team up to be really, really solid yet, or he's never actually done that in his in his time at um, at the Riverside. But mix that with Borough being on a high after their win against Southampton last week and then a midweek win in the League Cup as well. Maybe, just maybe, they can make it back-to-back victories in the league. That being said, Middlesbrough could go full Middlesbrough and sabotage themselves, which has been the theme of this season so far.
1: Yeah, Middlesbrough, by and large, haven't been playing badly. It's mainly been about putting away chances. One win can make a massive difference in terms of confidence. And Emmanuel latte Laugh, one player I'll pick out in particular has looked very low on confidence, but him scoring in the League Cup in midweek will go a long way to helping him. So maybe Middlesbrough are a side who have renewed confidence now. However, Watford are much stronger at home than they are away. Yeah, Not a particular particularly spectacular side by any means. So a, a Borough win is entirely plausible. I think this is definitely one of the more interesting games of the weekend, simply to see how Middlesbrough do. Are they still going to continue to struggle or... Is this the turning point for them now? So, exactly. That's one thing to definitely keep an eye out for this weekend. Let's take a quick break, Justin. After that, we'll talk about some of the news from the past few days. It's time for this. Yes, it's time for the news and Sheffield Wednesday manager Iska Munoz is still in the job despite two points from eight games. I've included this in the news, Justin, because I thought he'd definitely be gone by now, especially because the Sheffield Wednesday Twitter account hadn't tweeted for nearly 48 hours. That's usually a dead giveaway when a a manager is about to get sacked. And look, I want to make it clear that we're not calling for him to get sacked because that's just not very nice. (laughs) But I am quite surprised that he's still there.
0: Yeah, I think it's worth pointing out as well that you tweeted or exed, that you... Like the Sheffield Wednesday's Twitter account hadn't tweeted in 48 hours. And literally three minutes later, they put out a post, which they is saw just it. They incredible. saw They my tweet. They did. They, they, they had to put smoke on the... Pour smoke on the fire? That's not how you put a fire out. Um, pour water on a fire. Pour water on the fire. Well, I don't know yeah. what the saying is, but you, you get my point. But I am surprised that he is still in the job. I think he's incredibly lucky. And yes, like you, I don't think... Um, you know, people should be calling for people to be sacked, and you know, unemployment's a terrible thing. But you know, when you're not guiding a football club um, to wins and uh, you know a, a positive style of play that is at least garnering something, um, then then your ownership should be doing something to to address that. And then not. uh am sure he isn't. He's so absent and incompetent, he just won't do it. He'll wait to the last possible second, and then probably blame Carlton Palmer and then Darren Moore.
1: Yeah, well, it's, it's definitely one of their faults, isn't it? Um, I th- I, the, the theories that I've seen from Wednesday fans is that they're holding off because Chancery is possibly looking for a replacement, um, which may be true, may be the case. The concern for me, though, is what you were referring to at the weekends that Chancery does have a bit of a track record for taking too long um, on these crucial managerial decisions. I mean, how long did it take for Munoz to come in? It took a long Mm -hmm. time after Moore went, didn't it? And then all of a sudden, Munoz just turned up out of nowhere and said, here's your new manager. Um, So something similar to that may happen here. But the fact of the matter is Wednesday are playing so badly now that something has to change. And whether that be the new manager, then so be it. It is worth saying, if Wednesday don't win either of their next two games, it'll be the worst start in the club's
0: history, yeah. which is some going, isn't it? It's poor. It's it's so poor. And I think to there's no there's no there's no pride in it either. It doesn't feel like there's any pride in it from from Series perspective. You know, there's been a lot of noise as well about ticket pricing. It's just not a good place to be at the moment, and which is such a huge shame considering the the playoff, the way that, the manner in which they won the playoffs last season should be the catalyst for positivity, should be the catalyst for change, should be the catalyst for pushing up the table, which I genuinely thought was possible under Darren Moore and under some sound, not ownership, but sound running of a football club. And it's just gone backwards so fast, so, so fast. It's quite staggering, really, how how quickly it's dropped.
1: Yeah, that was just five months ago. And the contrast in... Atmosphere at a football club could not be Unreal. more different in such a short amount of time. QPR have signed USA international Reggie Cannon on a free. The defender had left Portuguese side Bora Vista in the summer, allegedly because of unpaid wages. But we'll just leave that one there. Um, he's traditionally a right back, but has been playing more as a centre back. In, the, uh, in a back three over the past couple of seasons. I assume he'll be playing where Osman Kaikai has been playing for QPR so far. With regards to how good he is, I don't really know. I think a lot of QPR fans have seen USA International and instantly thought they've played a blinder, but he hasn't been called up for them in the past year. He played nearly every game for boavista last season, though. They finished ninth in the Portuguese league. A fair question to ask, though, is he was released in June. Why has it taken so long for a club to pick him up?
0: I think you're being far too cynical I, I like the signing I think it's yeah. a huge coup uh, I, I do I know a lot of US based fans actually as well I've got a lot of American friends and they're all excited by him um, and so they've give given me plenty of insight he's got 28 caps for the US national team which tells you he's got pedigree as well as that he's been playing top flight football in Portugal which Cristiano Ronaldo was doing it in 2003 so you can't really question the level albeit they are amazing <laughs> that that so that's not even in my notes that's just come. That is just popped to me so you're welcome QPR fans Reggie Cannon Cristiano Ronaldo there's your link but he's, he's got the athleticism you need to thrive in England and I think it w- yeah, that will be ideal and certainly a player who uh, I think if he has a good season could fetch a decent figure if sold I think the only thing I'm going to draw a negative on is he's got a name his last name is his surname is Cannon um, but I'm not aware of any shooting ability that would have been absolutely incredible if he had that to back it up I want to see it need to see it Mm.
1: it's quite disappointing that they let Dominic Ball leave to go to Ipswich oh my god Cannon and Ball in the same team Cannon Ball that could have been a duo which has been superb wouldn't it maybe I am being cynical about this signing if he is going to be playing regularly at centre half then he's probably a better option in a back three than Osman Kaikai, considering he was doing it for a mid-table Portuguese top flight side last season. So yeah, he's certainly an upgrade in that regard, I imagine. Leicester boss Enzo Moresca has confirmed Callum Doyle is going to be out for a long time after suffering a knee injury in the win over Bristol City at the weekend. We haven't had any specifics on how long he's going to be out yet or indeed what the actual injury is, but it's a big blow for Leicester. Justin Doyle has been ever-present for them so far, Henty, and this could be a problem as well because Enzo Moresca has admitted
0: they're very thin on the ground when it comes to players who can play at left-back. I was looking into this uh, and I was thinking, surely not. Surely they've got players who can play left-back. And I mean, they've got James Justin who's comfortable on the right or the left and obviously Mark Albrighton who can pretty much play anywhere can surely fill the void but I think it's more of a tactical thing because Callum Doyle's role in that back four is to make it a back three when when the wing back pushes up and you know makes it quite narrow and obviously his ball playing ability is fantastic so I think it's more of a tactical aspect that uh, Maresca's got to change, as opposed to personnel. Obviously, personnel anyway. But yeah, it is a blow. But teams suffer injuries, and unless they do have at least plenty of quality in their side to to cover the 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 blow. But yeah, disappointing news because I I picked him out to be my young player of the season, didn't I as well? So that's more of the frustrating for me. He's going to miss a chunk of time to lower his possibilities of winning that. Hmm.
1: Well, James Justin is a brilliant fullback and will play there for the foreseeable, I imagine. But. Is worth saying he's coming back from an injury which kept him out for more than half a year. And if he's all unavailable, then there's no one else who's got regular experience of playing at left back. Maybe Ricardo Pereira, Val Fice at right back, something like that. (laughs) Whatever the case, it's not ideal at all, is it? And I think Moraska in particular was quite keen to have a left footer playing at left back. And there isn't really anyone else who could do that because James Mm -hmm. Justin is traditionally a right back who's filled in a left back on many occasions so dare I say if Leicester's recruitment had been better over the summer then they could have used that money that they spent on the likes of Connor Cody to get in an actual left back that's just a theory I've got Justin
0: yeah again more, more, it's just such a cynical day for you today you work up on the cynical side of the bed some might say I just made that one up um, you are right they, they maybe could have recruited better in the summer but at the end of the day they, they signed Callum Doyle um, they've got James Justin. I think, did they expect Luke Thomas to leave? Maybe, maybe not. Um, yeah, yeah just, just stop being cynical. I think that's what I'll say. Mm. I'm
1: not sure if I am being cynical or just pointing out plain weaknesses in this team. Um, <laughs> Justin, as a matter of admin, um, you, of course, did say that you had Callum Doyle as your young player of the season. Now, of course, I swapped my top goal scorer, Um Nathan Teller, that was, uh, with Joel Pirro after Teller left to go to Levi Leverkusen. So with that being said, you can swap your young player of the season if you wish. I'm putting you on the spot here. Have you got anyone in mind?
0: No, I'm going to stick to my original choices because I believe uh, in integrity. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> is it got anything to do with integrity or is it just a case of, look, it, it's a bit of fun and... your player's going to be out now for a long time so you can swap him if you want
0: listen if the abuse we get on Twitter is for a bit of fun Ryan it's not this is real life this is serious stuff I love it (laughs) (laughs) I don't love it I don't pay any attention to
1: it (laughs) whatsoever and finally Blackburn winger Ryan Hedges is set to miss at least three months of the season with a hamstring injury he only lasted 10 minutes in the game against Ipswich and he's had a really good start for them Hanty so this is also quite a big blow
0: yeah he's he's a big loss he's a big loss he's got so much drive and dynam, uh, dynamism in, a, in that Rovers team and I think him, him being out yeah does leave a, a huge gap because I think the frustrating thing is he's he's really grown over the last sort of yeah 12 to 12 to 18 months um, mainly i uh, wasn't particularly whelmed by the, the signing when he when he first came in but he has been fantastic and as i say he's got that um, he's got that flexibility and versatility for for rovers and he's got that pace to get in behind as well and obviously he scored that one of the goals of the season against Waterford so yeah he's, he's clearly got quality and for him to be out for three months is um, yeah it's disappointing yeah,
1: he's been their main creator so far as well, making 17 chances. The next highest is Samish Modix with 11. So, losing that creativity could be a bit of a problem because Blackburn so far have not really had too many issues with creating mm-hmm. chances. They've actually been quite good at that this season. So, could that productivity in terms of going forwards be scaled back with Hedges' injury? I'm not too sure, but yeah it is a blow um, and three months not the longest amount of time but there's a lot of games to be played in that time so yeah it's a, it is a big big blow for Blackburn now it's time for this Scott High or Ryan Lowe <laughs>
0: This fucking shit, mate.
1: Yes, it's time for Scott High or Ryan Lowe. This is the game where we have to rank four things from highest to lowest. It's as simple as that. There's three questions. This week, Justin is providing the questions to me. So what have you got for me, Justin, you bastard? I've got three really good,
0: uh, really good choices here. I um, cool. don't, know, don't know why I'm impressing you like that. Uh, the first one is, I want you to I want you to rank the managers who have been at the club the longest. The first one is Matt Taylor, Carlos Corbran, Michael Carrick and Liam Resenia.
1: Wow. Okay, so this is a massive memory test, isn't it? Um, Mm. Sorry, I'm going to have to do this again where I'm having to write it down. Resenia, Carrick and Taylor. Um, So, I think Taylor, I think Paul Bourne left quite early last season. So, I'm going to put Matt Taylor top, I think. Yeah, he's definitely ahead of Carrick. Rosinia? Ooh, that was around the same time, wasn't it? No, it wasn't. Now, I remember that appointment happening when I was in Switzerland, but I can't remember when I was in Switzerland. Um, (laughs) But anyway, I'll put Taylor Top, then Corboran, because I don't think Steve Bruce lasted that long. Then I'll go with Rosinia and Carrick.
0: So you're going Taylor, Corberan, Rosinia, Carrick? Yeah. You got Taylor, right? The rest were a disaster. So Taylor was, Taylor was top with 11 months and 23 days. Then Michael Carrick with 11 months and three days. Oh. Then Carlos Corbran with 11 months and three days. So they were appointed on the same day, but Murdersborough announced the appointment before Carlos Corbran. You sneaky little bugger. Oh yes, naughty naughty. Uh, then Liam Rossini, who was appointed in November. Arvaladzi was sacked, but Andy Dawson was in charge for a while. Oh,
1: of course he was. I forgot about that. Oh, I was thinking Arvaladzi didn't last that long. Okay, fair enough. Next one, please.
0: The next one is, I want you to rank who Leroy Lita has made the most appearances for.
1: Jesus Christ.
0: And these are all loan teams, so good luck. Sheffield Wednesday, Norwich, Birmingham and Barnsley.
1: You know what the thing is about this? I can't recall him playing for any of those teams. So this is going to be fun. Um,
0: What were they again, sorry? Sheffield Wednesday, Norwich, Barnsley and Birmingham City. Right, Okay, I will go... Uh, Norwich top, then Wednesday, then Barnsley, then Birmingham. You've got Birmingham right. The rest, are, the rest are wrong. Okay. Yeah, well, Barnsley. I didn't
1: have a clue with that one. I'm afraid.
0: That's fair. It's fair. I, I thought you would because obviously we, we've you've interviewed him and he's a source of many. Uh... Yeah, but it's loans, Justin.
1: Yeah, but if it was t- permanent, then fine. But loans, I, I'm just you know picking numbers out of the air.
0: Yeah, but with permanent clubs he's not played for enough. It's just all loans. You didn't have to pick Leroy Lita. Because I did Leroy Lita. Did Leroy
1: Lita come round your house and say, make me the next question?
0: Uh, He actually did. Um, He sent me a a lovely, lovely, he gave me a muffin basket. That's what it was. Oh, Oh, okay. Final one then, Justin. um, I want you to rank uh, what is the UK's favourite sandwich? Ooh, okay. Yeah, so I, I love sandwiches, and it's a dream of mine to own a deli. So hopefully, this podcast can pay for a, pay for that at Is some it? point. I'd, <laughs> well, love I'd love to own a deli. I'd love to own a deli at a cafe. Isn't that yeah, brilliant? Not not in the UK, somewhere somewhere nice and warm. Anyway, the the choices you've got are uh, egg and cress, the BLT, a sausage sausage sandwich, and a ploughman's. What's this what a being ploughman's? based on? Um, a a, a metro survey. A survey in the Metro, the People's okay. Newspaper. The People's Newspaper.
1: Uh, right. So I am a meal deal connoisseur. You love are. a good meal deal. I do. Um, I'll go sausage top. But why? Yeah, we'll go sausage top. Then egg. Then BLT. Then a ploughman's.
0: Yeah, that's really. Quite wrong. Ploughman's Mm. is top. Then egg and cress. Yeah, Ploughman's is top. Do you know what a Ploughman's is? No. It's ham, cheese, pickle, mustard and butter. So there's a lot going on. So I'm not really surprised. Which is what makes makes it all the more confusing that egg and cress is next because it's just egg and cress. There's nothing to it. Um, Then a BLT, which again surprised me. Uh, Then a sausage sandwich. I love a sausage sandwich. Do
1: you? you
0: Not a a meat sausage, a veggie sausage. I love it.
1: Egg and cress sandwich. What's that about?
0: It's just boring. Cress is the most pointless accompaniment to anything ever. Just clothers, aren't they? Yeah, I think so. Is
1: that what just they are? Grass cuttings. Grass cuttings and egg.
0: <laughs> yeah, sounds like sounds like my kind of my kind of sandwich.
1: Oh god. Yeah, that's just so plain. I can't believe that's so high. I mean, ploughmans I can understand. I, I I did I did recall what it was after you said what the ingredients were but I thought sausage would be top everyone loves a good sausage sandwich don't they sausage
0: do. and sarnie yeah, are we surprised with the UK's palate? though it's really boring and bland so it's, it Definitely can't really come really as a surprise egg to and press
1: sandwich being so high there we go ladies and gentlemen this has been the second tier podcast we'll be back again on Sunday to go through all the games coming up this bloody weekend so we look forward to seeing you then this has been the second tier podcast I've been Ryan Dills
0: I've been Justin Peach
1: And a big thank you for listening. Second Tier is a Stack Production and part
0: of the ACAST Creator Network.